You're listening to the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm your host, Fleur Lonsdale. And if you're looking to create incredible courage, resilience, and unshakable belief in yourself, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, I'll be interviewing incredible adventurers, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig deep into the strategies and tools they use to create unwavering courage and belief so that you can learn how to never give up on your goals and achieve the life of your dreams. Hello and welcome to today's episode, which is going to be with Suzanne Carpenter. Now, I can't wait for Suzanne to um, introduce herself and talk to you guys because she is all about overcoming limiting beliefs, her solid morning routine, which I cannot wait for her to share with you, and really about showing up because there is always a space for you and someone who always wants to hear what you've got to say. I'm really excited to have her share her story with you guys today so you can hear all about the way that she's got through an eating disorder, leaving it behind her, and really becoming the person that she wants to be and overcoming a lot of things along the way and fighting for what she knew that she needed to do. Welcome Suzanne, I'm so excited to have you with us today. I can't wait to share your story with our listeners and I'd love to start off with my favorite question which I know you've got a big one for us is tell us about your morning routine and what you do and what lights you up. Oh, absolutely. Well, first off, thank you for having me on here. It is absolutely my privilege and honor to get to spend some time with you today. So thank you. I'm so happy. So um, it's great that you start a podcast off for the first question of like, what is your morning routine? Because that's how probably a lot of the very successful people um, in your community are starting their days is with that morning routine. And I'm certainly no exception. Um, There were years when I was or kids. Um, I have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old and twins that are 13. And I've been married almost 24 years. And there were many, many years where I did not have a morning routine. And I woke up and I was in reaction mode. And I felt like all day long I was playing catch-up and I was trying to respond to things. And and I I felt frantic a lot of the times in life, just trying to show up as a good person but missing a core foundation. So it had to have been about 10 years ago that I was first introduced to the idea of having the morning routine. And I certainly was like probably most people where I resisted it. And eventually I just started because I saw other people who were living life in a way that I wanted. They had focus, they had a sense of peace, a sense of structure and order. And they, the common theme was the morning routine that they had, that they set their time aside to get their day started. So out of a lot of trial and error, I have just pulled my morning routine down to if I do nothing else, I start this way. I get with my coffee on the couch, I get my journal, and I start writing. And I don't worry about it being pretty. I don't worry about uh, my penmanship. It's just between me and this journal. But I start with the things that I am ridiculously grateful for. I, I start with thank you, with praise, and then things that I can remember from the day before that I'm grateful for. And I think of things like the, when my husband's home from college and we have all six of us under one roof, I'm grateful for six heads in beds. I always try to be grateful for things like batteries and light bulbs because they remind me that we have the means to buy things that could be frivolous 
wants and non-essentials or essentially non-essentials, but I'm grateful for those things. I'm grateful for my marriage. I'm grateful for my children and their health, grateful for my health. And I start until I almost get really emotional and it's going to spill out, like really try to be in a place of gratitude starting my day, because I don't think you can be upset or unhappy if you have a spirit of gratitude. So I start there and sometimes it's five or 10 things. Sometimes it's more. Then I list out my 10 goals, like my current life goals that I have. One is I'm an exceptional wife. Another being I'm close with my children. Another being um, that I have giving goals. And I list out those 10 because inevitably I forget two of them every day. They're never the same two, but I'm always having to remind myself of what I'm fighting for. And then the third part to my morning routine with my journal is my mantras, the things that I'm trying to remind myself or equip myself with. So things like no one has a business that you admire that didn't have to pay the price without being uncomfortable. Or um, if you could only see what plans are in store for you, you would never shrink back in inferiority. Or there's room for you. Imposter syndrome is a myth. Imposter syndrome is fake. And I remind myself of these certain mantras and they, they change every once in a while. But what it does is it's like it positions me to get ready to go to work and to face a day from a position of um, empowerment rather than starting out, like I said, in those early years and reacting. So that would be my core morning routine. Awesome. Love it. And <sighs> so when you've I mean, obviously, that's your core one. I'm guessing that if you've got more time or if you're on a break or it's the weekend, do you change that at all or do, do you add anything to it? That would be my core routine. And then if I have more time, then I get into I'll either do a yoga flow series or I'll do a workout so that I move my body. Yeah. Some days I have to come back to that later on in the day. But if like certainly during the weekend, the morning routine is far longer. I'll even say, start with the journal always, but then maybe I'm going to spend a half hour on the weekends reading a chapter in a book on personal development or a biography or something that is a little bit me time, but also personal development, yeah. learning. And then, then I would go into the workout. Then the next thing would be getting dressed for the day. Um, let me rewind a bit that during the week I work from home and so I can set my own schedule. But I don't treat it like I'm at home. I don't stay in my pajamas. I don't stay in my athletic wear. So I'll do my morning routine during the week, and then I need to go get dressed. I need to get my hair done. I need to get my makeup on. I need to get my clothes on just so that I'm dressed for success. It sets my mindset in a position of it's time to go to work rather than it's a little bit slower-paced weekend. Um, but on the weekends, I would definitely take a longer morning routine and I may or may not get dressed and I might give my skin and hair a break from the getting ready part. <laughs> awesome. And what time do you wake up in the mornings? Typically 530. Cool. Sometimes it's six o'clock, but I am an early to bed and early to rise type of a person. So six o'clock is usually I'm downstairs starting my routine. And that means you can get some time in before the twins wake up, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. That is exactly right. Like, I think we all need a little bit of time to ourselves just to get ready for something. And I know I need that time in the morning. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm ready for them. It was harder when they were really little and they were waking me up. 
yeah. <laughs> you know, four thirty-five in the morning. Yeah. That was a lot harder. So I feel for moms who are listening right now that have littles and that wake up time is very unpredictable. I'm just in a different season of life. And maybe that can encourage a mompreneur or somebody who's listening that has littles at home that it will get to where you have a little bit more control over that eventually. But that's the good news. <laughs> yeah eventually hey (laughs) hey there I mean there are some mums with little kids that do unthinkable things I don't even know how they do it I'm just like wow they are an inspiration for sure that's right the ones that are getting up at four and four thirty to get their workouts in and to get their time I know or doing their workouts with the babies like on the chest or in the pram in the gym like I love that I love watching it's hilarious oh I do too (laughs) I do too Awesome. So why don't you um, give our listeners a little bit of a backstory about you, um, what, where you've come from, um, and a little bit about what you're doing now. Sure. So I, was, I lived in the United States, and I was born and raised in Michigan. And I met my husband when I was a freshman in college, and we decided that we were going to stay together as long as it was fun. And the good news is it was just (laughs) always fun. And we kept each other as a center and a focus. And we definitely prescribed to smoking hot dates, even now with all these years. We want our kids to see how a man treats a woman and a woman treats a man. And we want them to see that growing up is the goal. It's fun to adults. It's a good thing to be grown up. We don't want them with the Peter Pan syndrome always wanting to stay in mom and dad's house. We're trying to show them what they're striving for. So let's see, I started out teaching first grade and I wanted to come home and be a stay at home mother. Uh, And so when number two was born, her name is Annie. I got to come home and my husband was building a corporate career and we definitely prescribed to work hard and the company would always provide for you. And in 2009, I ended up in the hospital with a full bowel obstruction. And ironically, this is a time in the country when the big three auto industry tanked. Mm -hmm. And my husband was a vice president with a company, and he came to me and he said, you know, I'm forecasting, and they're not going to need us in three years. So I need to go tell the president and the owner, and we need to figure out what's what. So the crazy thing is Dave was always on an airplane. He was always gone, always working, but he was providing for us. And we missed him. He's our favorite to have around. (laughs) And that was a lot of sacrifice for building somebody else's bottom line. And what we found was at the end of the day, they didn't fight to recreate a new position to keep him. They let him go. So we relocated our family to Mississippi and took a pay cut of 40%. But what we were looking for was quality time together as a family. The older we got, the more we realized we wanted that time together. But that pay cut was incredibly stressful for us. So Dave is thinking, we just cut out savings for four weddings and four colleges and our retirement. And I was thinking like a girl, like we just cut out smoking hot dates and these kids are going to need a lot of shoes and I don't want to budget great. And so at the same same time, I mentioned that I was in the hospital because um, when I got out, my GI said that I had to exercise every day for my abdominal health. So this bowel obstruction was a big deal. It was a long time to spend a month in the hospital recovering. My twins turned two. And little did the GI know that he had given an addict a prescription with that exercise every day thing. So we're down in Mississippi. We're dealing with this pay cut. And I'm going to the gym every day to work out. And that was where um, I was basically trying to outrun my fork. 
and I was in the throes of an eating disorder that really had started when I was about 13. So I say that because this was like the first really big tipping point in my life from being a stay-at-home mom to a mompreneur and working from home. I, at that time, 10 years ago, bumped into a company where I could work from home and I was fitting people to products and I was helping them with their health goals. And what I was noticing is people wanted magic diet pills. And I kept saying, guys, if those existed, I would know about them. I mean, (laughs) we're going to have to figure out the kitchen part. And I would just work with people on helping to clear up food confusion. And that was sort of my sweet spot was helping them get results. But what I wasn't letting them know is I was struggling with my own little demons where I was starving myself and exercising to try and erase because I could never purge. I could never, I could, I just never could. So I bring all that up because within the space of this wellness business that I was building 10 years ago, somebody asked me a question pretty early in and said, Hey, Suzanne, you know, you say you would die for your kids, but would you change for them? And that question kept me awake at night. That question really bothered me because the eating disorder was something I didn't talk about. That was my greatest shame. That was the secret I planned to take to the grave. I never, ever was going to be able to speak about that. And so it surprises me I can even tell you and your listeners this even now. But that question made me face something, and that was that I was the meanest voice in my own head. I was so mean to myself when I would look in the mirror, and I realized that if I didn't get myself help, my girls were going to talk to themselves probably the same way I did, and they were going to duplicate me. And I couldn't stand that idea. I mean, I realized... I would never let them hear somebody speak to me the way I did, nor would I let another person speak to me, nor would I speak to them that way. So it became kind of illogical, but I was doing everything that I knew to, to be exactly where I was, and it wasn't where I wanted to be. And that question made me willing to go get help with dietitians and doctors and counselors just to get me right yeah. so that I could be a better role model just for them. But then, like they say, your mess is in your message. And eventually I found my voice and that propelled me into a new line of business where I spend most of my time just working confusion for others so that we can get to the end of it, diet culture, get to the end of scale jail. So it's been quite a quite a crazy 10 years for us and our family. Amazing. <clears throat> it's It's so cool. And I think... You know what, Sam, I don't know how much you've you've shared that story, but I'm guessing a fair amount. But I think it's so important for people to understand how many women go through this and men as well. You know, I think yeah. most of our listeners are women, um, but I know that there are some men too. And I think we, we really sort of misunderestimate the power of what society and media can do to us and and the way that we look at ourselves and it's yeah it's really lovely for you to be able to share that and to to know that you know what you do have to go and ask for help that we can't do everything on our own as much as we like to think we can we we have resources and we have people who are much better at dealing with things than we might be on our own and reaching out when you need it is a vital lesson to learn and the earlier we can learn it the better really 
Absolutely. I think reaching out to someone else who has an expertise in an area that you are struggling in is the wisest thing you can do, although it feels illogical when you're in the middle of that storm, because it is hard to imagine, given the fact that you're probably putting your entire effort into that fight, it's hard to imagine that there's still more to come that you don't know. It's hard to imagine that somebody else can come and stand in the gap and fill in something that you don't have to help you have success. It's like a trust ball to reach out and to be willing to exist in hope that somebody else is going to be able to help get you over that bridge when in fact that's exactly what will help somebody get over. It's just that initial reach out to someone who's gone before you who can help you get to the next step, the next side, I guess, or the other side of the, yeah. the bridge. And it's interesting because I think when you, when you're sort of in that entrepreneur realm or the business realm, you, you see how many coaches there are, but there, there aren't just coaches for, for normal people. Like every coach has a coach <laughs> and yes. every entrepreneur, like to the next level has a different coach. And it's, it's funny that when you sort of get into that realm, you realize that actually the more you have coaching, like although it might be simple and it might just be a coach who's asking you the right questions, it's getting you to think and it's getting you to act and it's getting you to, to grow and be a different person. And once you start growing, you start going into personal development, it's okay. it soon becomes apparent that there is so much growth that you can do and it just never really seems to stop. No, it sure does not. I agree with you 200%. Yeah, which I love. I love that. So mm-hmm. amazing. So um, obviously throughout that, um, that was probably a quite big challenge for you to have to face. Um, and obviously going into, are you still in your wellness business now or have you shifted? You know, I've shifted away from just products. I've shifted into actually just service and working with people and developing programs. Okay, fab. And so what mm-hmm. was the the shift behind that? And did you face any challenges along the way or was was really just getting over that moment? Was that your biggest thing? How did that work for you? Well, it was like they went side by side. So I had this point of... Um, I've been dreaming about building out a company and it's my company's called Carpenter 180. And I had this vision for uh, how I wanted to work with people and what I wanted to provide, but I couldn't see the whole picture. And that was part of what held me back because there was this, this time where I thought I had to have everything mapped out before I could start. And that paralyzed me a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I was existing with that. And then the other thing that was kind of holding me back was the shame because I hadn't I hadn't finished doing the work yet on me with the eating disorder. And I thought, who am I to be speaking? Who am I? I, you know, I, I felt dis, dishonest somehow because I hadn't worked through that emotional side. So I, I just wasn't ready to do much more than dream. And then all of a sudden, it's like I just found my voice. And I I had done enough work with mentors and reading and going to conferences and sitting in front of other people who were sharing stories about you have to start. If you have a dream in your belly, you have to get started and pivot as you go. Do it bad perfect. Show up. You're not going to have it done perfectly. Done is better um, 
than having something done and going is better than perfect. And getting some of that permission from people, like you said, mentors who've gone before me, for them to speak that life over somebody new just getting started, that's how I really got the company going. And it was out of the 10 years of working with people that I started noticing trends in how people wanted to learn and how people had time and financial constraints. So in my time of being a first grade teacher, you know, you think about, I learned a lot about how people learn, obviously, as my time with a teacher. But what I found is that if I took strategies like when we would study for a test and we would have to cram in all this information and we didn't really know what was going to be on the test and it felt so overwhelming, the minute you walked away from the exam, the board, the, the, the big test at school, the SAT, whatever it was, you forgot almost all the material because you were only learning it for a short period of time. Yeah. And what I realized is nutrition is the same way. It is such a vast abyss of information that most people don't want to spend the time researching and learning and dividing to figure out what the really important parts are yeah. so that they can just apply and use it. So basically, I've realized I didn't want somebody in anything that touched Carpenter 180 to feel like they got so much information. Like if I sat here for an hour and talked about nutrition, I promised somebody would only remember one thing and it was probably the thing that tugged on their heart afterward. So I didn't want it to be like that, study for the test, forget it all. In fact, I built it so that it was a based off of sound bites that every single day somebody gets a text message on their phone that's an audio message from me that's teaching about the mechanics of food, protein, fat, carbohydrate, fiber, um, teaching about breakfast, lunch, and bridge snacks, and dinner, and mindful indulgences, and why the benefits of fiber. But if I could teach these in a sequence then real learning could happen where we take it past just hearing and liking an idea, but into actually going, oh, I get it now. <laughs> and now I can apply it. So in the beginning of what I developed, it's a subscription. It's $15 a month. It's a little two or three minute sound bite that doesn't take a lot of somebody's time. But out of every single day, listening to a different soundbite that layers, in the beginning I educate, and when you get educated, you can start to make different decisions. But then I begin to empower, and that's where we get into the emotional side behind eating and food and thoughts about food. And then once somebody is empowered and seeing results, whether it's weight loss or weight management or better energy or feeling better, then we move into actually being inspired and somebody able to go and apply it for the rest of their life. I liken that to you graduated from school and you don't ever go back to school. You've gotten what you need to go live an abundant life. And I designed this business to do that for people because I'm so grateful for the people that poured into me to help me get my feet underneath me, to get the eating disorder behind me. Even though I still say that I'm recovering, every day I have to remember I'm recovering. But I'm so grateful for that knowledge. And then to realize nutrition isn't so hard once we fill in some of the gaps because it's just not taught. And it's such a big subject matter, most people aren't going to spend the time to go figure it out. So that's kind of how I got here now. Yeah, cool. And so obviously starting that up and that becoming a business of yours, you, I'm, I'm sure that you're bound to face some challenges along the way. I'd love for you mm -hmm. to dig into them for us. Like what have those challenges been and, and how have you got through them? 
Okay, so one side is the emotional side, and then the other is the technology piece. So I'm very good with words and people and written word or spoken. That that comes very natural to me. Coming up with um, content, very easy. The technology side of putting it into something that's beautiful, building a website, having something graphically made so that it's presentable for the internet, and the time that it takes to do it has been wildly difficult for me. I kind of operate off of fire aim ready, like let's go and figure out the way along the way. Where when you're working obviously with technology and people who are gifted in the arts like graphic design, they need more time to get things ready. So that has been incredibly challenging for me. The emotional side to building a business is all the fears that come at you, even though you know you're not supposed to feel fear. (laughs) The imposter syndrome, the um, somebody else is better at this than me. Somebody else is bigger at this than me. Somebody else is more worthy of an audience listening to than me. And having to realize no, actually, this message was put inside me and I have kind of a calling I'm answered and I need to overcome this fear and I need to show up and I need to do this anyway. So that's where that morning routine is so important because this could really hold somebody back. This could really hold me back because the fear can turn into an anxiety and overwhelm of everything you have to do or an uncertainty that it's going to actually produce or because you can't see the big vision completely played out yet. It's just something you're executing. It can cripple somebody if you don't have a strong mental gain. So actually training for failure, learning that failure is part of the process, learning that you're going to do things poorly, but it doesn't mean you're done. It means you just need to try again. And those have been some of the hardest things that I have been facing almost on a daily basis since starving Carpenter 180. Yeah. And I think the mindset is such a... It's such a big part of it for, for everyone, people who, who aren't even doing a business, they're just going to work or they're aiming for a next promotion or whatever it is that they're they're going for or essentially goals-wise is that little sort of like nasty negative person on, on one of our shoulders that tells us that we're not good enough and that we can't do it and that, you know, we're not perfect or we're not as good as someone else and the comparison zone and anyone who's obviously listened to my podcast since the start knows that I talk about this a lot and it's something I'm very passionate about and I'd love to know like do you have some apart from your morning routine do you have anything in place that when you sort of see that person or that that um that voice popping up that you do to sort of get yourself out of that zone mm-hmm. yeah when I realize that I'm starting to do that if it's warm enough Um, I'll go outside and I'll get my feet in the grass and just get grounded. Um, I call it spinning in, in my, in my head. I, it's like, I'm in the middle of a hurricane and I, so I, I realize that I'm spinning. And so that's when I know that it's time to stop. It is time to go put my feet in the grass and just get grounded and take a few deep breaths. Other times I'll go do a quick vinyasa flow and just move my body or I'll just lay on the ground in you know my office or my bedroom and just breathe just one hand on my chest one hand on my belly and just a couple of deep breaths and the thing is it feels when you're spinning like you don't have time to do that when taking that 5 or 10 yeah. minutes 
is exactly what you need because it's a time accelerator. Because when you come back to whatever it is that you were working on when you started to get out of sorts, it's just with clarity, it's with a new cadence, a new rhythm, and you're able to get so much more done than had you not stopped and had you just tried to push through the spinning. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I think so many people say, I don't have time, like I don't have time to meditate or I don't have time for myself, like I'm busy, busy, busy. And I'm like, you need to take time for yourself, for your own well-being, for your own mind. Like you've got to look after yourself. You're number one. You have to do it. Even if it is just five minutes, even if it's three minutes, you take three minutes mm-hmm. and you time it on your phone. The Just that silence and that peace and that breathing, just like breathing properly, is going to make the world of difference. And I think people massively underestimate what can really happen in a short amount of time when you just sit and listen to yourself. I think it's hard to believe something so simple could be so profound <laughs> yeah. until you tr- until you try it. I understand the person who's like, what? Yeah. And doesn't believe it. It's because they've never experienced yeah. it. Until you can actually just try it for one time and realize the difference that it can do in your energy of your body, it's like you just don't know. Yes. You just, you just don't know what you don't know. You're right. I agree with that. And it's just, it's very similar to, to meditation. People sort of, and I used to be one of those people I used to say, I can't sit still. Like, I need to move. Mm-hmm. I always need to be doing something. I can't sit still for half an hour and meditate. And then as I started doing it like short amounts of time and then um, getting longer as it went on, I just realized actually it's it's so good for the soul. It's so good for the mind to just have that peace and think about the things that you are going through your mind and sort of letting them go. I think, yeah, and you're right. You're so right. Until you try something, you just don't know that it's going to work. Mm-mm, you don't. You know, and something... Something else you said just before we talked about how do you ground yourself middle of the day. Another huge thing for me in this whole journey was when you were talking about mindset and that inner voice was really coming to an awareness of people who have what I want right now once upon a time also had a voice of fear and a voice of condemnation and an ugly voice that they on purpose decided not to listen to, that they on purpose chose to think about what they're thinking about. They decided not to let fear be the loudest voice, but instead to identify it and let it go. And there's something profound for people who are able to learn from other people that have had to overcome what you're struggling with to know this is a path that I also can experience change and success on. So instead of like comparing yourself to someone, this is another thing I have to tell myself all the time. Don't compare, but be inspired by somebody else's success, by somebody else's evolution, their change, their personal growth, you know, whether it be somebody like Brendan Bouchard or Tony Robbins, they once upon a time had to start as well. And that can be really encouraging when you're just getting started on trying to make transformation in your life yeah absolutely understanding that everyone everyone has to start from somewhere especially in the entrepreneur world you know it's a huge different space and you don't just you don't just like get born good (laughs) it doesn't happen like that (laughs) born great that's for sure um and and you're so right and I actually spoke about this before it's it's like the people that you follow on Instagram or on Facebook or online whatever on YouTube 
that you don't want to be following the people that you're comparing yourself to. If they're making you feel bad or they're making, you know, your stomach turn, then you're following the wrong people and you need to be following people that do inspire you, that that make you laugh or that make you want more or the ones that are going to help you get there essentially just with their positivity. So you're so right. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Cool. So obviously like your transition and, um, you know, your, your journey as such, have you had a mentor along the way or did you just sort of have mentors to get you out of, um, you know, your, your mindset when it came to, um, your body weight and things like that? Have you had mentors in, in your business or, or getting you through anything? Almost certainly I have. So, I, you know, in the early years before I knew what a mentor was, I did have great people around me, even just my mother and my grandmother in mentoring just the beginning of, you know, becoming an adult. But then when I got into the business space, I realized that there were a lot of people who've done incredible things that want nothing more than to impart their wisdom to help me make fewer mistakes along the the, the way that they made, like they already made them. So let's learn from my mistakes. So you don't have to do them as well. Yeah. And so some of the, the mentors that I've really sat and been close to in this last two years have, um, they speak the truth over me. That's, that's when you know, you've got a really good mentor. They're not going to tell you what you want to hear because they want what's best for you. So they'll tell you the truth. Like, and I like that I can come to them keep them abreast on some of the things that I'm working on. And they're able to use wisdom to say, okay, I think this is the next logical step. This is not something that you need to worry about. This is something you should be thinking about. Um, For instance, one of my mentors said, make sure that your clients that you work with always have another way to do business with you once they've achieved their goal. Meaning, do you have a journal that they'll always want or a certain product that they'll always want or a way to reinforce? And I have another mentor that's helping me to grow the business in a way so that one day I can own it, not run it. And beginning to set systems in place so that I'm not just creating a fancy hobby, but something that's actually going to build and provide paychecks to other families. So mentors are incredibly valuable to have in your space. Some of mine I meet face-to-face with, some I meet with on the phone, and others are just um, big brains that I choose to listen to that are that I've never met before that are on the internet or write books. <laughs> but mentors, I mean, if you're not employing a mentor, I mean, I don't mean employing a mentor, but if you're not, if you don't have mentors in your life, you need them. You're only as good as the five closest people to you. And if you have these, these big brains, these trusted truth tellers, they're helping you to navigate the seas and they've already been where you are it's only going to help you do life better with fewer bumps and bruises. Yes, absolutely. And I think so many people don't see the value in the mentors just yet, um, but it will come and then you'll get one and then you'll just, your life will be changed. You'll be like, why didn't I do this five years ago? That's right. In fact, I mean, funny you, you asked that question because one of my mentors just texted me an hour ago and said, hey, I'm just checking in on you. How are you doing? I've been thinking of you. Nice. That's what you want, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's when you know mm-hmm. that you're, you're being looked after, which is always good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So 
I mean, I don't know. Is there is there any other um, challenges that you would love to share your a story about? Anything else that you've gone through that has you know caused you to grow or caused you to redefine things that you'd love to share with our listeners at all? Well, I think in redefining things and growing. Um, I remember this time in my life where I was watching other people who were growing families and and their careers, and I perceived that they were changing and becoming um, better versions of themselves. And I was so, oh, inspired by them. But I didn't know if I could change because I had this secret and the shame that I wasn't dealing with. And I felt like I was stuck in a cage. And I always wondered, is change something that I can do too, or is that just for somebody else? Because I'm trying to change and I'm not. I'm just staying right where I am, frustrated and sick. And I guess what I would want your listeners to know is, oh my gosh, are you ever able to change? You sure are able to leave the past behind you. I mean, you know, you think about how we all love a good redemption story when the underdog wins and when (laughs) somebody finds their goodness inside them and they just reach out and they do something amazing, we're all rooting for that person. We all want to see somebody build greatness where before it was shambles. And so, I mean, with your listeners, my, I just didn't think I was possible of change, but I look back on these last 10 years and I am a completely different person. But it was one boring, unfancy, hardworking step at a time. And it wasn't easy. And I was oftentimes uncomfortable and I couldn't always see the path, but I had guardrails. I had people around me that loved me, that were encouraging me. I had mentors. I sought help. And then to look back on what's possible for change over time is incredible. So I would encourage, I mean, your listeners, if you've got something on your heart that you want changed, no matter what place of life it is, just start. Today is a good day to start on that. I mean, today's the gift. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Let it go. Nobody cares that much. If they do, they're not your people anyway. Go ahead and work on being the best version of yourself, building the business you want to be building, creating the thing you want to create, learning the skill that you want to, to learn. It is possible. It feels impossible when you're thinking about it. But once you get going and you start to get some momentum, it is incredible what's possible. Yeah, I agree. Um, So I'd love to just dig into that a little bit more because obviously I feel like that's probably your best advice that you've got for our listeners is to take one step at a time and just to always aim for today to be better than yesterday, pretty much, right? It is. I mean, like I, I did this thing a long time ago where I thought about what do I want my life to look like? You know, what is my vision for my life? Close your eyes and what do you see happening? And I defined it with, I wanted freedom and I want to be able to travel with my husband and make memories to put pictures in picture albums. And I hope that, you know, we're 80 year olds sitting in church together side by side and we have a big family with lots of little grandbabies. And <laughs> I, I painted this big picture And one of the things that I do, my husband and I say, is we're raising great adults and we are, I am one of them. He is one of them that we're raising still. (laughs) And everything lines up against that vision. Everything that we do, we try to keep within, is this moving us toward what we want for our life? And that really helps to order those steps, those one at a time steps, is if you can take a minute to decide what it is you really want with this life, and that can be the hardest thing to do. But if you can take the time to invest in that vision for yourself, it will help with all these little baby steps along the way so that you know that you're on track. 
You may not see the whole picture, but you can see the big picture and then you can see the steps right in front of you and just keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And doing vision boards is like one of my favorite things to do to get really clear and to see it in front of you every day. I mean, we're traveling at the moment and obviously don't have our vision boards with us, but I've got a little one on my phone, but it's not quite the same. But having that in front of your desk or in your bathroom or in your bedroom, wherever you can wake up and see it and just look at it for a few minutes every day and just go, you know what, one day I'm going to get there, one day I'm going to be in that place or have that or do this is is so unbelievably powerful. It really is into the fact that some of the stuff that has happened to me this year was on my vision board, you know, a year or two ago that I didn't even sort of realize it had happened until I sort of sat down and was sort of being grateful as to where I was. And then I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I visualized this and didn't even realize that it was actually happening. Which That's is quite spectacular. Funny. I love that. Yeah, it's very cool. And I think you hear so many stories of people who, you know, have cut out their sort of the home that they'd love to buy or the place where they'd love to stay on holiday. And then a few years down the track, they've got a photo of them and they, they get out their old vision boards and they see it there and they didn't even realize that that's what they put on their vision board. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's very, and you very underestimate cool. how much you can do in a year or in, in 10 years and you tend to overestimate what you can do in a day. But that vision board can really show you the progress you've made. Yes. Especially when you don't really realize it or, or the universe has put it on your plate in a different way. Often we get so caught up in, in this is the way I'm going to do it. That's how I'm going to get there. This is how it's going to happen. And then you concentrate on that so much that you don't actually realize what's going on behind the scenes. And then you're like, hang on, I still got there, but I got there in a completely different way. And it's not really how I expected it to happen, but it's still happening. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, that feels like magic when that's going on. You're like, okay, something outside of me is clearly working in my favor, and you know, something something's working well. Something's going yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Awesome. So, one last question I would love to ask you is, what's the scariest thing you've ever done? Oh, scariest thing that I have ever done. That's a good one. I love this question. The scariest thing I ever did was speaking out loud that shame. I mean, I'm I'm being as open and vulnerable as I can here. Absolutely. I truly thought that if I said out loud what I was struggling with, I would be so unlovable and so unlikable because personally it carried so much weight. Yeah. I felt I felt like um my bones were going to fall out of my body. I I mean it was just the most terrifying thing for me to breathe into life for the very first time. I, I cannot express to you the the heat, the sweat, the the fear that I that came with that first time. And then when the reaction on the other side didn't match what I had already assigned, it, it was incredibly freeing. When instead I was met with um, love and gentleness and kindness and comfort and um, encouragement, it was, you, that moment showed me just how much the mind can hold somebody um, in a prison. Yeah. You know, I've not been afraid to try new things, not been afraid to go on adventures, 
um, I don't fear a lot of things, but I did that. That was the scariest thing that I ever did. And it might sound really trivial to somebody, but it was because it was attached to my personal shame. So I think anybody who has something that they they have inside them that they hold so close, that can just be so terrifying to let go of. But then here you show the light on the monster, you know, when the kids are afraid that there's a boogeyman in the room and you turn the lights on and you look under the bed and you see it's not there, it's not real. It's been, it's like I got my life back once I spoke it out loud, once I took that 20 seconds of courage to give it life. It's crazy, hey. It's really amazing what, you know, what our bodies and what our minds are actually capable of of doing or of holding us back. And I know for me, when I, I lost a few friends when I was 13 and I lost my best friend when I was 21... And I, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> These things happen. But I had, I honestly couldn't bring myself to talk to anyone about how I was really feeling. And it mm. took so many years, so many years for me to actually say out loud, you know, the pain that it was going through. And so much so that I went to see um, essentially a shaman lady who, who, but this is a whole other story. I don't want to go into it right now. Well, let's hear um, it. <laughs> it's way too long. Um, but um, who basically said to me that my soul had run away because it had been in so much agony and so much pain that it couldn't deal with it. And so had been, and, and you know, you can take this with a pinch of salt. Those of you who are very spiritual listening to this are going to understand what that might mean. Um, others will just be like, I can't believe this actually happened. I don't even think the the lady really knew what was going on at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I was just like, you mean something that I had held back because I thought I was protecting the people around me and essentially protecting myself completely destroyed something that was so important in overall body, mind, body, soul, you know, um, which is pretty, yeah, pretty incredible. And I do need to share that story because I haven't shared it with anyone properly yet or, or essentially to the world yet. Um, but, but it's a, yeah, it's a bit of a long story, <laughs> but it's, what got you to go see this, go see her in the first place or, or what was the tipping point that made you finally ready to discuss it? So I had, um, essentially a few years afterwards when I was at university, it was something I couldn't get out of my head. Um, you know, I was, I think I was writing my dissertation and I think I had concussion at the time as well. And it just sort of kept coming back and I, I couldn't concentrate on anything. The only thing I was thinking about was her and what had been going on. And, um, then I went to see a counselor and the counselor said, you know, you need to speak to someone. You need to actually go and talk to one of your friends about you know, you just need to talk about it. And I said, okay. So I went and talked to people about it. Um, and nothing really shifted. I just said, okay, now I've spoken about it. and It's fine. And, um, it was a very odd turn of events, but we essentially were meeting with, um, an architect, um, because we were building a house and our architect told me about this shaman lady and the story that he had, he had been through and basically walking onto a beach and getting all this rashes on his arms and having no idea why. And turned out this, this shaman lady said that he had, um, you know, he had been held, held back by his elders and they were wrapping chains around his wrist, which was why he had been having wrist pain for such a long time. And she basically broke off and he hadn't never had wrist pain ever since. 
Um, pretty incredible story. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is fascinating. I was like, and I just, for some reason, I thought I should go and see this lady for no, for no reason, like didn't suffer with any pain in my body. There was nothing wrong with me as such, but I felt called to go and see her. And I must have waited maybe nine months, maybe even a year. And she's very busy anyway. She's clearly good at what she does. And, um, and I finally went and she sat me down and she said, why are you here? And I said, I actually don't know, but I feel like I'm meant to be here for a reason. Um, and so then she goes, okay, well, let's check out your chakras. And then they were completely out of alignment. Um, there was, I, I don't even know, I couldn't even explain to you what the pendulum was doing at the time. <laughs> um, and then, so then she sort of started looking at a few things and, and we, after about, you know, after about an hour, we sort of figured um, a few things and yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll share this on a on another podcast, I think maybe, um, or on a YouTube video of some sort, because it is, it is quite lengthy. Um <sighs> But it is very amazing what, you know, what we don't really know and, and what our mind's doing and what our body's doing and everything that goes on behind the scenes, I think we, we completely forget about, mm-hmm. you know, what happens. Um, and, yeah, I love that. I love that that you've, you know, managed to get through essentially that shame because you can imagine if your life was still where it was back then and you were still holding on to that, how much that have that would have held you back throughout life as well. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. It's just been, it's like weights have been lifted off my body and the emotional pain that's lifted. And then the confidence that came with it and just almost like a stillness that was never there before, before it was an anxious energy and getting the help that I needed, having somebody else fill in the gaps that of knowledge that I didn't have has transformed my life I'm a completely different person it's amazing Mm -hmm. and I really hope that there's people listening to this podcast who can resonate you know whether it's the same thing or whether it's something else but shame really plays a big part in in stopping us and holding us in our tracks and essentially self-sabotage and I I see it all the time and Mm -hmm. you know some people are very open to hearing that that's what's going on and others are very much not open to hearing and it's just a journey on in itself Um, you know you make me think I wonder you know there's to do an informal poll to find out how many people as a child were said somebody spoke the phrase of them shame on you I, I wonder if I've said that to my children it's just the first time I've ever thought that but I wonder how much that hasn't affected a lot of us I mean, there's so much, there's so many things in our childhood that does affect us that, you know, things, very small things that teachers might say, or that your parents might say, your grandparents, your friends might say that you, you don't really realize the impact that it has as you grow up, especially when it happens sort of recurringly as to what it can really do for our self-esteem and our self-confidence. That's for sure. You know, when I was working with um, the counselors, they tried to get me to, you know, go back to my earliest memory, you know, in body and body shame. And the earliest one I can recall, I wonder if this was the start, was I was on the school bus and it was hot. And so I had shorts on and we were sitting outside the high school. And so it makes me think that I must have been in late elementary school or early junior high. And the popular boy got on the bus And he was headed toward the back of the bus and he stopped. And now I was sitting on a school bus. So my legs were flat on a seat. 
And he said, boy, your thighs are really big. And then he walked on. The wow. fact that I still remember that story, like the things, the little things that happen when you're little really can begin to create an identity. It's, it's incredible. And I bet that you probably never said that or repeated that to anyone. You wouldn't have gone home and said, you know, mum, this guy said that my thighs were fat, you know? Oh, heavens, no. no you would have no. kept this that was... to yourself and then it would have eaten you away because, you know, it, that just does. I mean, everything like that would do. I just stuffed that one way down and yeah. it came up a lot like a sneeze comes up just out of nowhere. And I went, wait a minute, I just remembered something. And I, I think that I, you stuff it down and you of course wouldn't say anything to your parents. Again, I think almost out of shame, like look what this person said to me and you're too embarrassed to even say it to another so that they can soothe you. Yeah. Yeah. Or you don't want pity or whatever it might be, but sure. Yeah. It is crazy. Sure. It is sure. crazy what we, what we what goes what goes on behind the scenes and how much our brain retains essentially you think it would just get rid of it but it holds on to all of the nasty things <laughs> it does it does it's a sponge it is a cheeky sponge that should understand to get rid of all the negative stuff oh yes <laughs> all right honey well hey Suzanne thank you so much for joining us today I'm I'm really happy that you jumped on and were able to share that with people and there's definitely a few people I have in mind that I know that I'll be sharing this with so if you're listening um and this is a story that you know might resonate with someone then please share it with them the more that we can get the word out um to help people the better it is and um lastly I'd love to know where can our listeners find you and um if there's anything that you'd love to share with them, then now's your time. Sure. Okay, so everything is, my handles are Carpenter180. That's C-A-R-P-E-N-T-E-R-O-N-E-8-0. So you spell out the number one and you, num- and it's the letter eight, or the, you spell out the number one <laughs> and it's the number 80. Good grief. <laughs> so that, you can find me on Facebook with Carpenter180 and Instagram on 180. And I love to share 180 eating on my Instagram stories. It's a great way of just being a role model and showing others how simple and easy it is to fill your plate with protein, fat, and fiber, and how you can have weight loss without hunger and, you know, reduce your toxins inside your body and rev your metabolism and get off that fad yo-yo diet kind of thing. You know, if you, um, pattern of eating that I learned, diet means pattern of eating for man or mammal. And if you're eating in a way right now that you don't see yourself doing when you're 80, you haven't found the right pattern. Um, so, but for your listeners, I do have at our website, that's www.carpenter180.com, seven free days of SOS. So SOS is Sue's on your shoulder. And those are two to three minute sound bites that drop on your phone every single day, right to your text. So you don't have to go find them. They'll come right to you. But it's just seven days of beginning to learn the basics of food so I can clear up food confusion so you too can win at losing weight. It comes with a lot of resources that will come via email. Just can It's like my love letter to the world, just my way of giving back because these have been fundamental principles that have completely changed me. So you can just go right to the website and get seven free days. Amazing. It's pretty easy to find me. Love it. Thank you so much. And I'm sure that there'll be people definitely going and checking that out. I'll put all that in the show notes as well. So if you're listening and you're interested, um, then you can head on over to the show notes and find all the links in there as well. Wonderful. Fab. Thank, Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad that we managed to organize a good time. <laughs> me too. 
Me too. My absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcast listener and give us a five-star review. I can't wait to hear what you took from it and how you're going to implement all the knowledge that you've learned today.